The Dare Show Podcast. Welcome back. So I'm here for another episode. This is a little special episode. Uh, let's talk about Janet, 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 the Jackson, the um, documentary, t- documentary, <laughs> documentary on Lifetime, I think A&E or something like that. I don't know. So, um... Overall, my thought is that it was a little bit underwhelming. There was about 90% footage we don't really care about. 10% footage that was good. I don't know. It was just very underwhelming, but let me get into it. What it really should have been called is Janet Jackson is Janet Jackson is getting old because oh my gosh. Homegirl was just crying at the drop of a hat. She was crying at this, she was crying at that, she's crying at the mural. It was just like, oh my goodness. I don't really mean she was crying at the drop of a hat. I was just being exaggerating. But she like she was crying about the um they're driving through Gary, Indiana, and she like broke down. <laughs> looking at this mural saying how sweet and how beautiful and it's like you ain't been to Gary since when she said since she was like eight or nine or something and I'm like okay I guess um but this really should have been called Janet and her men because the men were the supporting role to this it was basically Janet Janet and how she um interacts or has but affected or interacted with the men, her husbands. Starting off with her dad, her husband. I mean, her dad, her brothers, Michael, James DeBarge, or whatever DeBarge she married, Jimmy and Terry. Then we go to Renee. We go to, what's his name, Jermaine, and then we, we don't even talk about, um, Wassam, I think his name is, and then we have Issa, so it's just all these, and it's very interesting, she didn't have a, she didn't have a girl, I wonder if that was sort of planned, but anyways, I don't think she's actually divorced, I think she's still going through a divorce from her ex-husband, but anyways, let's talk about some key elements, some key things that I found interesting enough to talk about. Janet was too young to remember her poverty life. <laughs> Janet, I didn't realize Janet was the last uh, Jackson. She's the baby of the, um, I think, you know, people say that, but when, you know, there's nine of y'all, everybody's a baby at some point. <laughs> but Janet's actually the baby. Uh, yeah. Um, she's too, she was too young to remember life in Gary, Indiana, a two bedroom house, nine kids, two adults. Like, what the hell? (laughs) To actually think they were that, um, poor and to succumb using talent and, actually blast off and become these millionaires and these famous people is very incredible. And that's all thanks to her father, Joseph Jackson. 
who took over and took about where we're going to go with this. Janet was introduced to the world as Janet Jackson, which is interesting because, or their little sister. Oh, 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 wait. So they moved to L.A., and they went from poor poverty to racism because she's like, we moved to L.A. and there was, um, although, you know, we hear stories about Kathy Hilton and all these other, sorry, all of these other um, people who kind of groomed them or like welcomed them, who they live by, these other famous people that they live by, uh, although we hear about them. There's also, I guess, that point that I don't always hear about from them, which is the racism, go back to where you came from, and, you know, being the first black family in a certain neighborhood. Very interesting. So, from poverty to racism, yippee. So I said that they they introduced her as um, our little sister, Janet Jackson, the last born Jackson, which is funny because I only know her as Janet Jackson. I think the world and a certain generation knows her as, you know, Michael's little sister, the Jackson's little sister. But I know her as Janet Jackson. I don't really know her as the little girl, you know, in um, these earlier TV shows that she did or just, you know, being in Vegas doing shows, these uh, variety shows with her brothers. I don't know that part. So it was a little bit, well, I'm not familiar with that part. It's not, I'm not going to say I don't know that part. I see pictures and videos all the time of it. Uh, but she was forced into doing those Vegas shows. Um, and I see it as, I took it as um, Joseph making them, making Vegas and Janet, well, the the latter siblings, giving them a step, keeping them relevant, and keeping money in in the in the um in the bank. That's how I see it as keeping them relevant, mostly keeping this quote unquote legacy going. Um, I think Reeve seventy one, so and Janet is fifty five, so. Whew. I can't believe Reby is 71. And I thought it said Reby was born in 1950. I'm like, wow. Time is just floating along. She's in her early 70s. She might not be 71. But anyways. So Janet was forced into doing these shows. She was never asked, like she said. And... All these things, you kind of see her, she's like, I don't fit in. I wasn't sure where I fit in. I was the baby, so I was the last to see things. Um, I didn't know Randy was her manager now. I was shocked. Because I always see, we, there's like some videos I've heard, like, yelling at Randy in the background of, like, recently. I didn't know he was her manager. He's, I guess he's been her manager since this new Unbreakable era, which is very interesting. I, I was shocked. I was like, oh, okay. Her brother Randy. Um, so we get into the marriage. Uh, well, these, these TV shows that she didn't want to do. 
she didn't want to get into acting. She didn't want to get into singing at all. And it kind of, you kind of can see this time she's kind of like really letting that emotion come out of her. Like, no, I, I don't want to sing. Like, I telling her father, like, I don't want to sing. I want to go to college. I don't want to. And it was like, you're going to sing. <laughs> so she's like doing all this stuff she doesn't want to do. And she told us, she said, this is her word. She's like, I didn't want to do all these things and I need to get away from my father. So what do I do? I get married. And I think that was a thing back then and a way to separate yourself from your family and separate yourself from, like, your father, whether good or bad, you know, like Shaka Khan. I think Shaka Khan says she got married in order to, like, be in, I think, Rufus or whatever early group she was in. Janet saying, you know, I wanted to get married. Well, I had to get in order to get away from my father. I got married. Not that it was a good thing. Not that it was a bad thing. Or not that it was a good thing. In a way. So she got married. <laughs> and people, I, I know some people are kind of like questioning this. She didn't know that Mr. DeBarge was on drugs or pain pills, whatever. I didn't get the impression, well, I didn't really get the impression that it was a violent relationship, but I did get the impression, you know, she's like, there was some violence in it. Because some people in, um, some fans have definitely speculated that What About from the Velvet Rope album was based upon, wait, maybe it was. It's very, it's a story. It could be autobiographical. It probably is autobiographical. There's definitely a story and about abuse. And a lot of the, you know, fans have said, Oh, this is um from DeBarge, the DeBarger, the DeBarge year. <laughs> because it seemed like nothing really happened until they got married, like any kind of like violence or anything. But she didn't like I said, she didn't allude to any violence. He was addicted to pills, they got married. She kind of realized at that point that he was addicted to whatever substance he was addicted to. But it's like, it's like they went to Michigan, got married. The night of their wedding, he left her for like four hours and wherever they were. Uh, and I'm just like, you didn't pick up on this until you got married. <laughs> So that's the second man that's a mess in her life. Um, she said the marriage, the marriage, oh, the reason why, yeah, I really, the marriage was a sham because she says she wanted to get distance from her father. Um, the second, they end up getting a divorce. I mean, an, an annulment. Moving along, Michael. She talks about the story, you know, she said her, Michael, and I think Randy were thick as thieves back in the day. And then her and Michael really were close. And she's like, we will always talk. I remember, her, you know, her telling her stories about, like, them going to Studio 51. Um, I think, like, Thriller, when Thriller came out, they played 
she did back up on Thriller. She, you know, she was in there, or maybe not Thriller. I don't remember. Not Thriller. The um, al- the song, the album, Pyt. I think was on Thriller. I don't know. But she tells this bizarre story. She's like, we would always talk, but this one time during Thriller, she noticed the change, and I think the change in like stardom. And being a recluse and, you know, this change happening. And she was like, he came into my room. We, he didn't say anything. We just like sat there. Nonverbal. And then he left. And I'm like, okay, Janet, what's the point of this conversation? (laughs) What was the point of that story? I'm sorry. A weird story. But anyways, so the DeBarge baby she never said no. Her and Rebe, the th- rumors, she had the baby and gave the baby to Rebe to raise. Her and Rebe never said no. They skated all around except for saying, no, there is not a baby, which is like the weirdest thing. If it's not a baby, say it's not a baby, right? The weirdest thing. Rebe was looking down all before Rebe was all up at the camera phase, looking up being, you know, showing emotion. Then Rebe's like, this silly story, looking down and Janet's crying, talking about, I never would keep uh, a baby. How can I keep a baby away from its father? So either she, either she didn't have the baby. I mean, she either you know, had an abortion or something actually happened because why? (laughs) Why would you not just say there was no baby? Even um, Debbie Allen, who was doing fame at the time with Janet, the TV show Janet didn't want to do. Debbie was like, what baby? There is no baby. We didn't see a baby. It was just a rumor. Okay, Debbie. Okay. Um, that was one of the weirdest parts, actually. So move on to control. 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 I, I'm gonna look at listen. I'm gonna listen to control very much differently this time. She's doing a lot of songs that she didn't want to do, so she finally took control, fired her father, moved to. I don't want to move to, but started working with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis another male figure in her life. And what I'm, what I see as control, knowing Janet was the baby of the family, this Jackson, um, little sibling, the last born Jackson of Catherine. We're moving into like the sad teenage years of kind of sad, um, body image, maybe even some food image, food situation. This young woman, being this little girl, this teenage woman being <sighs> through all this, you know, oh, I forgot to tell you, she was like, I would go around looking for a debarge early in the morning, driving around. I would be waiting for him. He wouldn't pick me up. He was just like,
I'm trying to figure out the words. Not taken advantage of. He just wouldn't show up because he had this other situation going on. Um, so we have that going into play. The probably trauma that that is being in this spotlight, trying to figure out how you belong, being forced to do all these things that you don't want to do, marrying this drug addict, annulling this drug addict. <laughs> the stress of you know Jana Dave one do these fucking these for those first two albums so she was like a difficult um am I mad that it flopped I don't even want to do them um so we're moving into control and she's like I see Janet as Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis makeup artist the best fashion um what's her name Jimmy Jam Paula Abdul, all these people help cultivate Janet into a young woman that she needed to be. Paula on choreography, Jimmy Jam on music, all these different people choreographed and help her come become this young woman. And you actually see it. You can see it through Paula's talking through Jimmy Jam saying, write about what you feel, write about how you are, write about what you want to write about, be yourself. And it's like these cultivations, and it's actually a very beautiful moment when you realize control is what it is. And then it became her most successful album at that time. So far. Um, it was beautiful. It was, it's very beautiful. One weird thing I found very weird was that A&E or Lifetime, they kept referring to the men in her life as boyfriends. Like DeBarge, they had this DeBarge interview, this Renee interview. And they kept interviewing, they kept like labeling them as her boyfriends, but they're actually, they're her ex-husbands. Because they were so secret, everything was so secret. They're actually her ex-husbands now. I don't know, I just found that weird. Okay, so we're moving along to Rhythm Nation, her trying to follow up on the album Control, which sold six million. There's a lot of pressure. I guess a lot of yeah, it was a lot of pressure to and it's funny, they didn't say um Jimmy or yeah, Jimmy, he was like he didn't say it was pressure to like a sophomore um jinx or a sophomore album because we were this is you know, her fourth album at the end of the day, especially, you know, she didn't even like move labels. The fun, one of one funny thing that I did find funny, she said when she had recorded the song at the family house when she was a kid, a teenager or whatever. And she left, she accidentally left it in the studio or didn't erase it or didn't hide it or whatever. She came home the next day to, um, her father and a couple brothers listening to her, and he told her she was going to sing. She said, these are her words. She's like, he said I was going to sing. I had a, um, I had a meeting with A&M the next day or not he, soon after and was signed. And I was like, damn, it was that fast? Like, wow. I wonder why she didn't 
signed, why he didn't get her signed to, because I've never heard of A&M. And I, I forget, you know, she wasn't signed to like Sony or Columbia or um, Warner Brothers, like those bigger known, that come to mind known uh, labels back then in the 80s. She was signed to AM. I don't know. I'll look into AM in a few minutes. <laughs> but I was like, AM. Because I do forget, you know, she was with AM and then she moved over to Virgin and then Def Jam, I believe. I think. Yeah. Okay, but anyways. So, Rhythm Nation was not supposed to be a Rhythm Nation social conscious. And I think this is the part where. One thing I do admire about Janet's career was it's literally an evolution of a woman. And how we go from taking control to trying to, you know, Rhythm Nation is sort of a good blueprint of a diverse album. There's social, there's, um, is it the word social justice in a way songs on it there's love songs there's fun songs there's sexier songs like that album is low-key like a blueprint of how to make a really good album in a way they to make a social just i'm forgetting like how the, how they worded it to make a social conscious i guess album back then was risky and they were like we weren't going to tell the label it was not the plan this it just happened and what a wonderful album rhythm nation is what a wonderful album that is so then she ends up meeting renee who is a um a film film person a photographer film person he does a lot of her work, her videos. <sighs> One thing I noticed about Renee and Janet is it seemed like Janet, they never fought like in public, I guess, or fought on camera. Because certain moments, he has this takeover spirit and it's very like, is this your, is this your career or Janet's career? Like, what's going on here? Um... We fought, oh, we got Tina Landon. She talked. She was like, he talked and he was like, I'm like an extension of Janet. Tina didn't necessarily, I meant to, I meant to watch part three over, but Tina necessarily didn't necessarily bash Renee or like said negative, negative things about, it was like slightly negative things about him. It was interesting, but she definitely was like, it was a weird yet working relationship. But anyways, so we go on to Poetic Justice. And I, I'm not like a huge movie fan, um, nor a Poetic Justice fan. So she plays Justice. And I didn't realize Q-Tip was in the movie. And for like five minutes, we talked, to, we listened to Tupac and Q-Tip talk about how they loved kissing Janet. And it was just like, okay, why are we, can we get on to more important information? So I definitely believe that, you know, we all know they fucked because <laughs> he worked with her on the um, the Velvet Rope album. And she has like these like sexual innuendos, sexual vocals. 
like they're flirting in a way, and it's like, okay, they've rocked. Uh, but you know, they're the best of friends. We go on to Scream. I didn't realize Scream was as earlier as it was as early in her career as it was. I thought it was like late, like nineteen ninety six or something, but it was in nineteen ninety four. So Scream comes about, and it was so cute seeing her and Jet, um, her and Janet, her and Michael at the piano. I mean, not the piano. Writing down lyrics at like in New York at their house, writing down lyrics, trying to come up with this song, like literally coming up with this song is like wow i believe scream went to number five they said rhythm nation went to number two but the album went to number one and uh, no they said rhythm nation went to number one but i'm like the album went to number one but the song went to number two so i don't know what they were reading because i've read it a lot (laughs) um she talked about how Scream, making the video Scream, they kind of blocked both of both Janet and Michael off from each other, from not seeing each other. Loki making this competition. It's supposed to be a couple days of shooting. It ended up being like more than a couple days. I think it was supposed to be, it was ended up being $7 million, $7 million or $6 million to make. It was not supposed to be this expensive. It was not supposed to be this long. Very interesting. That's all I have to say. <laughs> um, but she was like, they kind of like, I wonder if Scream left a bad taste in her mouth. Because she didn't perform that until after he passed away. And Michael performed Scream quite frequently afterwards. Um, but I'm like, I wonder if it left a bad taste in her mouth. Making the video. The song... It's funny because the song is very angry, but yet in the video, she's like, they kind of pent us up against each other. So it's kind of like, yikes. Constant abusive relationships. I don't know why I wrote that down, but constant abusive relationships. Okay, I'm guessing I wrote that down because she was in constant abuse. I don't know. Oh, what? Okay, so we're ending out Renee. Renee, we found out, you know, Renee and her were married. <laughs> I feel like Janet didn't talk a whole lot. Um, I feel like there was a lot of stuff we probably could have gotten into. I feel like there was a lot of dead space, a lot of unnecessary talk from other people. She said Renee was on addicted. She ended up being addicted to some kind of pain pills. And as we know, you know, the velvet rope was like this healing moment, this reflective moment of Janet and her depression and all these other, you know, as we know, you know, depression being in this, these bad relationships and, being trying to figure out who you are in, in the world and in your family, dealing with Michael and his first allegations and the effects of that. And, you know, she said she was about supposed to do this big campaign with Coca-Cola, but then Michael's first allegations dropped like a couple of days later and they said, no, thank you. So the velvet rope, it's supposed to be this healing moment. And towards the end of the, like, towards the beginning of the Velvet Rope, 
here we have, she finds out <laughs> Renee is addicted to pain pills. So that's the ending of that relationship while she's trying to heal herself. It's like, oh, give girl, give Janet and Demita Joe a break. The Super Bowl. Like, I don't really care about the Super Bowl. Because I did find out that Janet was, she kind of made fun of it. She made fun of it. Janet has never, I meant to go look at that Oprah interview, but I'm going to say this because I don't think, I don't think anything really has been answered. Nothing's been answered. Was it supposed to happen? Was it not supposed to happen? What went wrong? I think we don't went, went wrong, but like, was it supposed to happen? That docu, that um, New York Times documentary, which had her stylist and I think um, Gil, I think they shot that the same day as they shot this Janet documentary stuff. Were they supposed to? Um, did you go against rules? Did you go or did Justin? It's just so many questions, right? That have not been answered. So I'm like, I don't really, I don't really care. And she's at the end of the day, she's like, leave Justin alone. <sighs> We've moved on. So we move on to Jermaine. Now she I love this relationship, right? They're weird, but they're very cute together. Like, they're very odd. I think because he's very short. <laughs> but they were so cute together. And he would do these, um, sort of like Renee. Renee documented 10 years of her life. Um, he kind of like documented moments in time of her, of, of her life when they were together. It was so cute. It's online. It's on YouTube. She talked about how DeBarge asked her to marry her, asked to marry her. She didn't smile. She talked about how Renee asked to marry her. She didn't smile at all. She just, like, talked about this, you know, like, they were on the beach or something, and it was raining. She talked about how Jer Jer uh, Jermaine asked to marry her. That lady smiled, okay? I think she really loved Jermaine, I think he really loved her too. I think they were a cute couple. I like most of the music they put out, they made. I'm kind of over, you know, him and Mariah, that music was, was sort of like, I don't know. The, I'm not going to say anything. Never mind. I don't even say that. But I like the music that she made. That's when I really became like a real good, like knowledgeable, like aware of Janet Jackson fan. When 20YO came out, um... 20YO, Discipline. That's when I was like, oh, Jared Jackson. Um, so I'm more of a, you know, a 2000s era fan. Not era fan, but like that's when I, you know, became a fan fan. Um, but he cheated on Janet, so there's that. Uh, she talked about her having a baby at 50 and they... Had you know, like they had these random people talking, Tiana and Sierra and Whoopi Goldberg. Don't ask me why Whoopi was there. 
but yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, Whoopi Goldberg was like, how are you going to have a baby at 50? Well, you just do it. You might get around a little bit slower than the others, but you just do it. And I'm like, I don't know, I don't know how that, I don't, mm, ah, it's weird. <laughs> Congratulations, but it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. I don't, I, mm, okay, yikes. I did see a thing about this documentary, and I do agree. They said they wish it was more about her music and not so much her stardom and her becoming this star. We, they wish, you know, it focused more on her music. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of wish it focused more on her music. I wish it focused more... It did a good job, generally, of the music, but I do wish we could have gotten a little bit more on it. Um, overall, like I said, it was underwhelming. But one thing I do like about Janet, like I said, she is like sort of this blueprint from taking control of her career, becoming this woman. She's just evolution of a woman becoming um, this... And you literally see it. You literally, literally see it. You know, she's all in black, very serious. I want to, you know... Have fun, but yet have songs like Rhythm Nation and Living in a World and Make a Moment. And it's like Janet was thinking about healing the world at 22. And I don't, I was, what was I doing at 22? Like, working at Valet? <laughs> like, I was not thinking about healing the world at 22. Um, So c congratulations to Janet about that. Rhythm Nation. Rhythm Nation. And then we go into... The end of Resonation, Miss You Much, um, Come Back to Me, and then to this literally video switch where she starts, it's a little bit more color, it's a little bit, you know, more sexier, the hair is a little different for um, Love Wouldn't Do Without You, into this sexier Janet and the Janet album, and the Rolling Stone cover, and... The if and um, the sexualness and again and then just the sexual sexual woman and it's so beautiful and then we have this woman of trying to heal herself and be socially conscious in a different way like depression talking about depression and sadness and mental health or the velvet rope and then we have you know her leaving this relationship with Renee into All For You and having so much fun and having this pop dance record in a different way than the Velvet Rope for All For You. It's just, that is such a beautiful blueprint of how you make a pop star. Somebody relatable, lovable, Great music. It's just uh, when people say the blue, she's the blueprint of music. Uh, that's what I'm taking away from. I don't know. They don't. They don't really explain. You know, Janet's the blueprint. Okay, what is the blueprint about? I, that's what I take away from the blueprint. That's all I have to say about the Janet Jackson documentary. I do wish it was more. She did play the um a new song called "Love to Love" at the end and. I have to say, I want it more. I want the album, Black Diamond. But these days, you got to get what you can take. 
are in this situation. So thank you for listening to the Dare Show podcast. Um, I have so many other, you know, reviews, music reviews, music talk. Um, yeah, that's all I have for you tonight, today, Janet and her men. (laughs) 